have a tremendous group of uh, leaders here, and it's so exciting to have Pablo and Sochi. It's an honor for me to, to um, preach on it this day for the installation service, and it's, I'm fired up. I love David Booth back there. The guy is uh, so much that he does behind the scenes and has done throughout this transition time. So give him a hand as well. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to uh, Acts. I was going to say Colossians, but that's already on the thing there. Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20, verse uh, 25. And we are going to look at several things as we talk about what does it look like going forward. And and an installation service like this, what are we supposed to to do? And so we're going to hear... What, what I'm going to challenge Pablo in particular with today, several things, and then you as a congregation are going to be kind of challenged as well as we go through all of this. But I've chosen Acts chapter 20, verse uh, 25 to 38, and because in this time, Paul is leaving the Ephesian elders to go to Jerusalem, and he's there at the harbor, and here are these men that he has poured his life into, who have, who he has helped them totally reorient their lives. He's shown them Jesus. They've found forgiveness and mercy and grace. He's revolutionized the trajectory of their lives. Their families are never going to be the same. Their marriages are never going to be the same. Their, uh, their, their sense of purpose and meaning in life has been changed forever. And now he's leaving them to go on to the next thing. And they're weeping over his departure. But as he leaves, he gives them kind of a farewell speech. And he says, these are the things that I did while I was with you, and now I want you to do them to the church, the the very thing that I did. I want you to to do this to the church that you are now going to be leading as I I am leaving you. And so... In these five, thi- these five things I've drawn out of this passage are going to be five qualities that I think we can learn from that make a godly pastor. And what he says in verse 25, right out of the gate here, he says, And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. And it makes them so sad because he's the kind of leader that when he goes away, you feel like you've lost something. And so as he leaves them, he speaks to them, and he gives them these uh, qualities that I think are timeless and can root us and root you as a congregation. But before we get into this too, I just want to say just how fired up I am to be able to be here today. And just to echo the words of what David shared, this has been a, a long process. And I want to say too that I'm, I'm also privileged myself, I don't always get a chance to do this, but as I travel, to be able to travel with my wife Judy, who's right over here, and you can wave. And, uh, and my daughter Madison, our youngest, and... Uh, so uh, it's just a privilege and joy to be able to be uh, with them on, on this whole thing as well because we want to do ministry together. By the way, did you know this, that Sochi is actually the admin for EFCA West for our district. So you probably knew that, but now this is great because Clovis EV Free is now the, the hub of the EFCA West district right now. It is located right here in Clovis, California. It is so exciting, and uh, so I wanted to make sure to include that as well. So I've known, by the way, I've known the Cachones for years. Fantastic people. They're the real deal. They're the, what you see is what you get. There's no pretense. There's no pride. There's no act one way up here and another way 
you know, off the stage. No, it's the real people. And I've had the, it's, it's a privilege. I'm a better person because of my involvement in their life. And it's because of this that I am convinced that as we walk through these qualities that make a godly pastor, I'm convinced that Pablo is going to embody these and model these for you. But I also want to say that the reason why this is so important is because godly leadership changes everything. And I think, you know, at this church, you would agree that when done right, godly leadership brings unity and peace and meaning and clarity and joy to people's lives. And so what does it look like? Um, and as we go through this, as I said, there's two responses. For Pablo, it's something I, I want him to be challenged to aspire to. These are things he is to aspire to as a leader. But for you as a congregation, each one of these qualities we're going to talk about are things you are to affirm. When you see it, you celebrate it. When you see it, you put your trust in in the leadership. You say, this is what a godly leader does. Because in this day and age right now, there's a lot of skepticism about leadership. Everybody is very um, concerned about, does the leader really walk the walk and talk the talk? Because a lot of them don't. But you know what? A lot of them do. And when they do, they need our support, right? They need our backing. They need our prayer. They need our affirmation. And you need to be able to see godly leadership and recognize it when you see it. So the first thing that um, a godly uh, pastor does is a godly pastor courageously preaches the gospel. Look at what he says in verse 26. He says, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. So here he is on the shore of the Mediterranean Sea about to leave, telling these Ephesian elders, you're never going to see me again. They're crying and they're weeping because of the tremendous difference he has made in their life. And why and what? Because the first reason is he courageously preached the gospel to them. And he says, you know what? I didn't hold back anything. And so the first thing that a godly pastor does is makes his ministry about the gospel of God. Not merely about head knowledge. Not merely about preserving church culture. Not merely about keeping things the way we've always done them. No, because the gospel always rattles us, right? Whether you've been a Christian for five minutes or 50 years, when you hear the gospel, it's supposed to make you go, oh yeah, oh yeah. And it, it impacts you. It it changes you. It forces you to be able to reevaluate your own life and say, as we just sang, thank you, God. I know you're never going to fail me. Last week I thought you were. Thank you, God. I've been kind of leaning on my own effort. I forgot. You stood in my place condemned. You traded places with me. You paid the price fully and completely. I can rest in your salvation. I don't need to redo all these things. I don't need to crucify myself for my past sins. You were already crucified for me. But that message needs to be preached over and over and over again to us. And that is the message, Pablo, I want to challenge you to preach faithfully to this congregation. One of the things that he says, when, he said, when it says that he is um, uh, innocent of the blood of all, one commentator said he's probably kind of hearkening back to Ezekiel 33, where God says, if I bring a sword of judgment on the land and the people appoint a watchman and the watchman sees the sword coming and blows a trumpet, but the people don't pay attention and they get killed, that's not the watchman's fault because the watchman blew the trumpet and the people didn't listen. But... If the sword comes and the watchman doesn't blow the trumpet and the people get killed, then the blood is on the hands of the watchman. And I think that's really important because Paul is saying, look, you guys, 
I, I gave you the whole counsel of God from Genesis to Revelation. Obviously, the, uh, all those books weren't written yet, but from the whole understanding of Scripture, the revelation that a Messiah would come and pay the debt of our sins and all that that means, I gave you that. So if you choose not to listen or to follow, I, I don't know what to tell you, but I, I didn't just sit here and tell you how to live a moral life. I didn't just sit here and talk about coloring within the lines. No, I, I, I preached a transforming message to you that transformed the community around it, by the way, too. If you know anything about the city of Ephesus, what happened several chapters before was there was a massive riot that occurred because nobody was buying the statues of the goddess Artemis anymore because Paul came and said, gods made with human hands are not gods. And so people that were making the statues, um, the silversmiths, were going out of business. And they were angry. And so they, they, they rushed into the, they, had, they caused a, a riot. And they had people rush into the, the uh, amphitheater there and scream for hours and hours, greatest Artemis of the Ephesians. And it was all because Paul started it. He kicked up a little dust. He shook some things up. But that's what the gospel does. The gospel shakes things up. And we should welcome that. We should welcome things to feel like, uh-oh, what is God doing? How is God shaking things up? And so in the same way that Paul said, God's made with human hands are not God's, we say to the city of Clovis, the gods of steel or stocks and bonds or whatever, sex and money and power and all those things, those are not God's. Those things you are putting your faith in are not God's. And so at the end of the day, this church says, hey, you know what? We are, we are not, uh, we're not guilty. The blood of this town is not on our hands because we were faithful to the gospel message. And we made sure that everybody within our town, we did everything we could short of sin to make sure that everybody around us knew, knows the good news, the message that we found, so they have the opportunity to hear the grace of Jesus just like we do. And if you're here for the first time, I want you to know that is purely done out of just flat-out love, just love and compassion, because we have found something in our lives that has revolutionized us, and I shudder to think what I would have become were it not for Jesus. So that's the first thing. The second thing a godly pastor does is assumes responsibility for the flock, he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So the command there is first that leaders are to pay attention to themselves, their own spiritual condition. So Pablo needs to guard his own life. He needs to watch over his marriage. He needs to be able to have the time to invest in his marriage. Because nobody's perfect, but to be able to love his wife well. And that's a priority for him. And we should expect that out of our pastors, that, they, that, that their wives um, are being shown love and mercy and grace and not being, you know, just thrown to the side because of all the work of the church. But you watch your life closely. And so the, I never forget, um, I think I even mentioned this before, it really hit me a lot when um, uh, John Piper, uh, he tweeted out, he said, he said, the greatest gift I can give to my church is my own holiness. And I think that's true because if we don't have integrity, it's just a non-starter. If, if we're not living it out, not that we're perfect, but if leaders aren't living it out, then we're like, what are we doing here? And so Pablo's first goal is to watch, to pay careful attention to his, him, his own walk with Jesus. That's his number one job, but also to pay careful attention to the flock. Why? 
Because this was, this, you, each of you, were purchased with the precious blood of Jesus. There's nothing, there's no payment higher that could be made. So if you think about it, when you take care of something, usually if it's your own, you take care of much better care of it than if it's, you know, like, like right now my wife and I, uh, our, our daughter, we drove up here in a rental car. When you have a rental car, you're like, eh, it's a rental, right? I mean, you don't want to bring it back destroyed, but it's a rental. So, you know, and if, but if it's your own car, oh, well, I'm going to make sure and wax it and make sure and take care of it. But you know what you take care of even better than your own stuff? Something that someone else entrusts to you to take care of it, right? Because the last thing you want to do is be house-sitting for somebody that you really respect, and then they come home, and the back door's left open, and the dog's gone, and, you know, the dishes everywhere, and smoke alarm's going off, and it's like, what, 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 what happened? You'll take better care of, of that than you will your own house, won't you? You'll make sure that everything is neat and tidy because you're watching it for someone else. And now, this is the house of God, and the furniture is not the chairs and the piano. No, the furniture, the, the possessions are the men and women in here because they were purchased with the blood of Jesus. Not the Labor Day sale over at, you know, the furniture store or whatever. No, the highest price could be paid. That's how important you are. That's how important we are. And we need to remember that in terms of how we treat each other. It's very easy when we say we're family to treat each other like family. And people, people say, you know, it's like, isn't it like, like Olive Garden? When you're here, you're family. Families, sometimes families don't treat each other very well, right? It's like, I don't want to be treated like your family, man. I, look, I see your family. Your family's terrible. Because we get used to each other. And so we kind of let the guard down. Mm-mm. You know, we might be a family, but we're the family of God. And we got to treat each other with respect. And, and dignity and decency. And so that's one of the things that Pablo needs to model as the new pastor here. Third, a godly pastor remains alert against any and all threats. He says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. What's going on? He knows that when he leaves, there'll be a vacuum of leadership and fierce wolves will come in. And you know what's really sad? They did come in. They did come into the Ephesian church. And if you read 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, you can read about those fierce, uh, fierce wolves. When you read the book of Revelation, the, the church of Ephesus is the first church mentioned in the seven churches of Revelation. And they had their doctrine pretty much squared away. What was their problem? They lost their first love. They lost the reason why they were doing what they were doing. They were off course. They were off mission. You know what's fascinating to me about this? Is when he says, look out because fierce wolves will come in. The warning is not about the culture but you know what most of our churches today are freaked out about? They're freaked out about the culture around them. Oh, no. You watch the news. Oh, the culture. The culture is not the threat to the church. The culture has never been a threat to the church. The threats of the church come from within the church. 
when we get off mission, when we get off doctrine, when we start making rules that the Bible didn't include about the way church should be, when we stop loving one another, when we stop taking the scripture seriously, when we stop taking the gospel seriously, that's the threat to the church. Because even if the church is persecuted, it's a bummer and it's terrible and it's awful, but it doesn't kill the church. It actually strengthens the church. It purifies the church. Our enemy is not the culture around us. The enemy is the spiritual enemy that can come in and infect the church and get us off of the core mission, which is the glory of God being made known through the grace and mercy demonstrated through the shed blood of Jesus Christ for everyone. Right? So that's what we got to be about. And that's what Pablo is to be about. And so he will admonish with tears, maybe, because he's so passionate about this. And that's important. I'm going really fast, by the way, because I was only given like 22 minutes. <laughs> so you're like, this guy talks really fast. I talk really fast anyway, but I'm really going fast today. So don't worry. I'm aware of the time. Fourth, a godly pastor builds a solid foundation of truth. He says, now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So that word build up is that word oikos, which is not just the name of a yogurt at the store. It's all, it actually is the word for house. So you're being built up like a house. And I love what Pablo was saying earlier about the, the need to hit, uh, to be multi-generational. Because you know what? Like my kids, when they became Christians, they all prayed the prayer when they were like five years old. Oh, Jesus, you know, I ask you into my heart and that's great. And then we give them a donut afterwards and we go, wow. And it's cool. It's good. Because as far as they're like, they, yeah, of course I believe in God. But then, and then what happens is people go, oh, then I backslid, you know. But you were five. What did you know? And then you get to be nine and the world opens up more. Is God still God? I don't know. Then you hit 15. Is God still God? I just got dumped by my boyfriend. Then you hit 30. My marriage is on the rocks. Is God still God? You hit 40. I went through a bankruptcy. God, where are you? And I say this because, look, I'm a once-saved, always-saved guy. I don't think the caterpillar could, or the, the butterfly could turn back into the caterpillar. When you go from death to life, you, go to, you can't go from life to death. I, I do not believe. But you know what? I've been around a long time, and I've seen a lot of things. And so when, when, when we talk about building on a solid foundation of truth, what's so important is that Pablo needs to lead a ministry here where we guide men and women throughout the course of their life. And with each stage, we try to make them help, help people say, okay, what does it look like to follow Jesus now? What does look like to follow Jesus when you're 5, when you're 15, when you're 40, when you're 45, when you're 85? Because every single time the question has to be answered, is Jesus still on his throne? Do I still believe? Not because you're going to lose it. I don't believe that. But, but, but I'm just saying when Second Peter says make your calling and election sure, we need to walk with people. And you will be called to help Pablo lead in that effort as God brings people to, Clove from, to Clovis EFC from the surrounding community. And each step they, they are going to need to be shepherded and guided along the way. That's how we care for people. And why? Because there's an inheritance waiting. And that's the role of the church is, is to walk with people. The ups and downs, the difficulties. And you know, can I tell you something? If you're a first-time guest at this church, I have enough... Um, knowledge of, because I've hung out here a little bit, to know this is, this is a beautiful family. 
And, and I want to tell you, if you're, if you're a first-time guest and you, and you go, well, it's, you know, I don't know if I fit here. Will you just keep coming? Give it, don't, don't give it one shot. Give it like six, seven, eight weeks. Because this is a family that I think you want to belong to. And you can belong to it. Okay? So don't just show up one time and say, I heard this guy talking real fast and, you know, they did this thing. And I don't know. <laughs> the music's awesome. Um, but, like, stick it out a little bit. Because it's a family worth getting into. And we'll walk with you and encourage you and help you. I believe that because I've seen them go through some stuff. And you know what? They're still here and they're hanging together. That's cool. And finally, Pablo, as a godly pastor, you are to demonstrate genuine selflessness and sacrifice. Look what he says here in verse 33. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands minister to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. How he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so the challenge for Pablo is he's going to need to bear the weight of being the pastor here. And sometimes that means he's going to have to, he's just, he's just going to serve. He's going to put that servant towel on. He's going, to, he's going to need to lead through service, through selflessness, through sacrifice. And when you see that, church, you need to affirm him in that. You need to encourage him in that. Because it's hard to be the guy up here. It's wonderful. But you're also the one that takes the, the shots, takes the hits, gets the angry emails at 11.30 at night, like, why did you say that? And it's like, <laughs> and Pablo is going to, Pablo needs to learn how to, as pastors, we got to learn how to bear that stuff. We got to learn how to respond with kindness, but it's hard. But I'm telling you, you have a man here who I believe is not going to abuse this congregation, but is going to love these people, love the people here, love you. And when you see that, you affirm that. When you see that, you say, thank you. When you see that, you tell others about it because it's a rare thing and it's a beautiful thing. When he said all these things, verse 36, he knelt down and prayed with them all and there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again and they accompanied him to the ship. Now, this story doesn't totally apply because Paul is leaving. Pablo is coming. Paul was ending his, his ministry in person with them. Pablo was just beginning. But just as he knelt down and prayed with them all, I'm going to invite Pablo and Sochi to come up and kneel down, and the elders are going to pray. I'm going to invite the elders to come up as well. 